see the new Space Jam trailer? I I did. I hated every second of it. <laughs> so, I can't. It's like Ready Player 2. It's like Ready Player 1 with just Ooh. all the worst parts. Yeah. Yeah, I read the synopsis online. Apparently Don Cheadle kidnapped LeBron's child, but the motive was that he wants to steal his Instagram followers. Really? Because that I read that before watching the, the trailer. The former part of what you just said is apparent from the trailer where Don Cheadle steals his kid. Yeah, that much is clear. But uh, once you the, find out the why, Instagram followers part I is pretty amazing. I hope I hope that's true. I became very angry. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like another film I watched recently. It's interesting this year HBO Max is putting out stuff same day simultaneously as the theatrical releases they're putting it out streaming and Space Jam is one of them and you know what is another one of them is another movie that just came out Justice League Snyder Cut that but also Godzilla vs. Kong the reason we're here today it's more like Kong vs. Godzilla I don't know why that matters but that's the title of the film is Kong Godzilla vs. Kong Kong was a character and Godzilla wasn't a character <laughs> Godzilla's entire half the story wasn't a character. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so in preparation for this oh, viewing of Godzilla vs. Kong, I went back and rewatched because I had never seen anything past the 2014 Brian Cranston Godzilla movie. So I went and watched Kong Skull Island, and then I went and watched Godzilla King of the Monsters, and then I watched Godzilla vs. Kong. Because it's all in-universe, it's the same kind of... It's the Godzilla-Kong cinematic universe. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Godzilla-verse. The, the GKCU. <laughs> so, anyway, what a ride. I'm really frustrated that you enjoyed any part of the first hour of this movie. Let me just say that... Not entirely, okay. There were there were a couple minutes This is a quick hour. review episode. We're going to briefly discuss our feelings on Godzilla versus Kong. Much to my chagrin. <laughs> But mostly be me complaining and Steven trying to make this a podcast. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but that's what makes this episode fun. All right, so let me just talk about Kong Skull Island. What Can you tell first. us what happened in this movie? Let me talk about Kong Skull Island. Well, do you want to set the stage with 2014 Godzilla? Yeah, there's a, a Godzilla. <laughs> Godzilla. There's a Godzilla movie that came out in 2014. Brought to life by, it was Gareth Edwards, right? From Monsters, and then he made Rogue One. Right, yeah. and because, Which is part of the reason that movie was good. Because of the success of Godzilla 2014, Gareth Edwards went to make Star Wars Rogue One, which people still love, out of all the new Star Wars content that has come out. And then Kong Skull Island came out, which was a King Kong movie with Brie Larson and uh, other people. Massive ensemble cast. Tom Hiddleston, Samuel L. Jackson, Goodman. John, John Goodman. John C. Riley. Yeah, John C. Riley. And that was, Gabe said that that was probably the best one out of the bunch. I don't think I said that. I said it was you in, did. more enjoyable for more me. More enjoyable for you out of the three. I'd say it was two out of, no, no, it was third out of four for me. It goes 2014 Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Skull Island, and that's it. <laughs> so not that any of them are technically very good. I think 2014 Godzilla was pretty good for most of it. Yeah, that was a good movie. And then uh, Michael Daugherty, who I actually knew from being a writer on X-Men 2 with Brian Singer and then Superman Returns. He is the director of Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Oh, really? And he wrote that movie and he also wrote this movie. But he didn't um, direct this one? No, he didn't direct it. The director for Godzilla vs. Kong is Adam Wingard, who has directed... A mixed bag of films. Oh, yeah. He did The Guest, which was... Pretty good. Your Next was pretty good. He's into the horror genre. Yeah. 
He did Blair Witch, which wasn't amazing, but the remake of Blair Witch. Yeah. Anyway, what did he write before this? Yeah, yeah, he directed a Netflix Uh, Death Note movie. uh, And this, for all intents and purposes, was a much better movie than Death Note. So when you talk about Godzilla versus Kong and how, like, exposition-wise and characters just saying things out loud and how over-the-top it is and how it's insulting, I felt that about Kong Skull Island. King of the Monsters, I was sort of in between feeling insulted. It's important to say that since Brian Cranston died halfway through the first film, there's never been a compelling character, human character, in this entire cinematic universe. <laughs> I think until the deaf girl in this film. She's like the second coming of Brian Cranston. Okay, the thing about this movie now, because I felt very in the middle about King of the Monsters, that movie, in my opinion, had more brainless blockbuster characters speaking out loud the exposition of what's transpiring on the screen and what the audience should already know. I felt that way more about King of the Monsters than I did about Godzilla vs. Kong. But let me tell you why. I think Godzilla vs. Kong actually leaned into the action and the fact that it was... The insanity? Yeah, that it was not going to be yeah anything else but this kind of over-the-top It's like the quintessential popcorn movie. flick. Yes, But with King of the Monsters, I felt like they were still trying to make human characters. Yeah. And that's what I hated about it. I just wanted to not have to think. And you're focusing entirely too much on these characters, these human characters who aren't really doing anything in this movie except being literally underneath the middle of the action (laughs) and somehow not getting smashed or stepped on. Yeah. But I would still take that brainless, mindless exposition like really milk toast garbage yeah. over every word that came out of Brian Tyree Henry and Millie Bobby Brown's mouth. Brian Tyree Henry was so funny in this movie. He's a wonderful man and a brilliant actor, but this film, that character, I was cringing into my bed watching this film. <laughs> I became one with the ground. That's so interesting because he was so funny. Everything that I wanted from the Godzilla-verse, the Kong-verse up to this point that I didn't get in the last three movies, I got in this movie, which was brainless exposition. The characters said things out loud, but they weren't trying to redeem their character arcs by making them heartfelt. Although the only heartfelt character was, like you said, the character, the, the deaf the mean girl, deaf girl who the last of her people had the heart. But again, the heart was centered around Kong. King Kong and how the emotion came through his expression, which I think was the right move. And it was also something that was lacking from the other films because you really want to see through the eyes of the monsters, through the eyes of the Titans. And in Godzilla vs. Kong, we finally got that, which was nice. Yeah, Kong was wonderful in this movie. And Godzilla was cool, too. And Mechagodzilla was even cooler. I feel like Godzilla got the short end of the stick because I think they might have had to cut a lot of stuff out of this film to hit a shorter runtime. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about that. But I think this was first and foremost Kong's movie over Godzilla. Yeah. And that's, you know, part of the narrative is Godzilla... Yeah. There was a misunderstanding between the kaiju, but... I love the Hollow Earth stuff, too. Oh, the Hollow Earth stuff was fantastic. And the -the over-the-top technology that will never exist. The sci-fi sequence halfway through the movie, where they go through the wormhole, it was hilarious, but it was also pretty cool. It was super cool. (laughs) It was visually arresting. Yes. In a positive way. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like the... There was a sequence where it it felt like I was watching the end of (laughs) 2001 A Space Odyssey inside of a 
Kong vs. Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't expect that. But because that was inside of it, that was like the element that was missing for me in the King of the Monsters movie, where I was just waiting for more monsters to show up. Yeah. But because this was mainly, I felt like Kong or Godzilla was on the screen for most of the movie. There were only like a few scenes without them in it. And so King of the Monsters, I'm like, okay, where are the monsters? Literally, it was an hour and 20 minutes of people trying to find the monsters and bring up the monsters from being frozen or something. And then 40 minutes of fighting. In this movie, in Godzilla vs. Kong, the monsters are on screen like the entire time. Whether it's Godzilla or Kong or Mechagodzilla. Yeah, they were definitely responding to a lot of the criticism of the last movie. They basically just took out the extra runtime of the human characters. Yeah, which was, I think, a smart move for this movie, yeah. even though you said you enjoyed it less personally. No, no, no I, I would agree it's a smart move. I think then this is why it's getting a better reception, is because it's playing to the idiot masses, <laughs> the people who like to watch Adam Sandler on Netflix. Yeah, thank you. So it's a smart business decision. Filmmaking, it is not. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's not an auteur art film i just think you but you can, knew that going into I, it I, I said this the other day i think you can still make a blockbuster and a good movie <laughs> like a quality storytelling like experience. a marvel film or something maybe yeah it, sort of because I, I there were moments where i'm like okay this is as much of a spectacle as avengers endgame was without any of the heart <laughs> yeah 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 and i agree with that but that's the thing is i wasn't looking for avengers endgame level heart even though comparably avengers endgame heart is different from an auteur heart felt movie and so i don't know this delivered exactly what i wanted to without all of the really crappy exposition from the characters even though there was some of that stuff it felt much more centered around the monsters and the uh, conflict between trying to outrain one another between Kong and Godzilla, and then ultimately teaming up to take down a man-made mech Godzilla by Megacore or Apex. I just wish if they're going to full send it into like fun, campy yeah. monsters beating each other, we just don't even need the human characters at that point. I feel like we can make a fun kaiju movie like this film if we edit out, especially because Millie Bobby Brown's Godzilla Squad literally did nothing the entire film until the very end when our fun New Zealand boy poured Brian Tyree Henry's whiskey <laughs> into the computer. Otherwise, we could cut every single scene of them out of the film, just take another 15, 20 minutes off the top. <laughs> this movie instantly goes from a D to like a B plus in my head because everything else was so good. Millie Bobby Brown wasn't as atrocious as like you kind of made it her out was. to be no well no she, no you're saying apparent, <laughs> it's not her fault either no no no, because she was playing into the character that she was set up to be from the king of the monsters film the whole story arc of millie bobby brown is trying to figure out why godzilla is attacking because she believes in godzilla unlike the rest of the world so why did godzilla attack apex corporation and so she's trying to figure that out because she still believes godzilla is a good character who's not against humanity yeah and so she goes on that journey, and that's her whole story arc in this. And so, but it just has no bearing on the story. And I mean, her as a character in and of itself doesn't grow. There's no character development. So what's no, the point? The point is to advance Godzilla's story arc. Godzilla's story arc is he's viewed as angry and evil. And then Millie Bobby Brown's character can't even remember her name. And I just finished the movie. <laughs> um, exactly. Uh, She's there to support Godzilla, just like the Kong people are there to support. Yeah, I get Kong. it. Just Kong's people actually did it. Like they actually supported their monster. Like the deaf girl, the woman 
caring for the deaf girl, well, and then I mean, Alex Skarsgård, who was whatever. What would he, you have done differently to have Godzilla's people support Godzilla in this movie? Rewrite the script? <laughs> <laughs> Give me your franchise. Um, I mean, here's the thing. You had these characters who were written into this corner. Yeah, you could have rewritten the script from the ground up. That the, the <laughs> yeah. New Zealand kid could have been a super technological kid, Instead but of, he wasn't. Oh he God. was like, I it don't was, know. It was buffoonery. Like yeah. It felt like a caricature. It just felt like their characters were written in an intentionally poor way. <laughs> yeah, what I was going to say is they wrote them into a corner so that they couldn't have done anything outside of what their characters could do. So this New Zealand kid, he didn't know how to hack into any supercomputer. So instead, he just pours liquid on the computer to try to short circuit it. And, and that's the opening that they need, I guess. This is after he guesses the password to the mega corporation's <laughs> control command center. <laughs> But what I'm saying, none of that matters. Like, it doesn't matter because... Why put it in the movie? (laughs) Brian Tyree Henry has been spending years trying to hack into this corporation. So it sort of makes sense that... I mean, any part of this... His character didn't do it. (laughs) Any any part of this you could justify, right, into why that's there, I think, because of the way that the characters are. But again, I'm not saying it's good. It's still a brainless blockbuster where the characters say exactly what they need to say and then it's big action set pieces but if you can accept that you might have a fun time like there are moments i went into it expecting brainless activity and it i was and you brainless were, you were upset by that <laughs> well i think still needs to be enjoyable and for the most part it was the monsters were uh it was just certain scenes just were s- not enjoyable it's not enjoyable <laughs> Anyway, there were a lot of fantastic parts to this. Namely, like I, you said, seeing Hollow Earth was incredible. I thought the first action piece, too, where it's Kong on a bunch of battleships, and he's like jumping from ship to ship, and Godzilla's attacking him in the middle of the ocean. That was so much cooler than the first action set piece in King of the Monsters. What was that? Was that the ice one? Uh, yeah, it was when Ghidorah broke out of the ice, and then even the second action. The choreography was cooler, but like the, the scene that that sets in wherever they were the arctic in king of the monsters was pretty cool yeah this one was just like i was so much more intrigued because you get kong out of his element he's literally in the ocean and he has to be on these boats to survive and he's getting dragged underwater by godzilla also that just just didn't make sense as well though i'm just trying to like piece together just a little bit of the plot at that point and oh i i don't care for me yeah everything that happens is happening to get to the next fight so i'm just waiting for the fights to show up again you know yeah that's all i'm doing the whole time and so this was engaging enough where you had a fight every 15 minutes and i was like cool that's exactly what i wanted from the movie nothing else matters i couldn't tell you any of the characters names uh kong (laughs) (laughs) i can tell you that i really liked the music that they kept playing over and over again junkie xl it was like the theme it sounded like it was the b-sides from junkie xl's justice league score <laughs> it was literally yeah. so many of the themes were very similar was it junkie xl that did this yeah so that's probably why i liked it was that theme of like oh no the titans are battling bah, bah, it's bah, like it's bah, like boom 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 or something like that i don't know i can't yeah but i liked that theme kind of gave it this epic scale things are being destroyed kong wielding stormbreaker was it was amazing 
and like when they finally team up to fight Mechagodzilla and Godzilla's charging Kong's axe with his atomic breath and then Godzilla just goes ham on yeah. Mechagodzilla, that yeah. gave me goosebumps. That was amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's some cool action. Yeah. You could... No, again, like I said, if we take out all the human characters in this film except the deaf me girl... I love this film. This is amazing. But you got to understand that, like, if, if you just go from fight sequence to fight sequence, you're not going to... No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying either. We can characterize our monsters. Like, Kong has so much personality in this film, and he's barely working with anything. I mean, just take, like, <laughs> Jack, Jackson's Kong. It, with just Kong and Naomi Watts' character is able to build his own storyline mm-hmm. and show the depth. Because Kong is, like, essentially a human character in a giant monkey suit. Mm-hmm. And even Godzilla has the potential to be humanized yeah this film sort of didn't give him (laughs) even that much to work with but true anyway it had its moments and uh i almost wish i could see it in a theater just to watch neo hong kong be absolutely leveled by these thousand foot tall monsters i think this would be super cool to watch in imax definitely not as cool watching it at home yeah it's just hard to sit through some of it for me that's (laughs) it Because I, even though it is what it is, I still expect like a base level of, you know. You were live texting me while watching it and I really enjoyed that, but I The first hour was just nonstop rage texting. I definitely did not see or feel the same things. I'm glad. I'm happy you were able to sit through it with a stomach. I mean, I definitely (laughs) think it's not an art movie like The Lighthouse or something, you know, but. One day. (laughs) Kong and The Lighthouse. Could you imagine? (laughs) Well, that's actually an interesting perspective because Lighthouse had this very Lovecraftian vibe. And the most interesting part of Kaiju for me has always been that sense of Lovecraftian existential dread from the humans in the face of these monsters. And I think that's my favorite part of... Like Attack on Titan? Yeah, kind of. That's my favorite part of Gareth Edwards' 2014 Godzilla. Yeah. Was it really captured that vibe of like what these monsters mean for the world? And as much as it's fun to watch Kong, Godzilla, and Mecha G absolutely destroy 100 million lives in neo hong kong with a 10-story axe channeling atomic breath it's like <laughs> i miss that spark that the, made the some, mystery this, it everything. made something special it wasn't just a blockbuster it was it was holy shit, that's godzilla <laughs> yeah yeah i understand that definitely yeah that's good too i mean to me they're both good but for different reasons you know yeah i get enough punching through marvel i don't need it in my in my godzilla movie too even though it's cool Speaking of Marvel, yeah, I know this, this franchise will definitely be moving forward with more films. I think you think so. This film seems I feel to like have been this their... was like the end of the. No, I doubt it. I think, especially seeing this film, maybe it's just coming out of the pandemic, but it's been doing really well, even with its very limited theater run. Yeah, this film has grossed the most money since the pandemic. It's made over three hundred million worldwide already, so it's made its money back, which is good. Uh, it's actually made almost double its money mainly because of overseas sales, but it's done the best as far as movies being in the theater since the pandemic hit back in March. There are so many more kaijus. That we oh, I was going to, I was going to say Pacific Rim is a great example of a Titan movie with that dread element, but still a spectacle. Guillermo del Toro's Pacific Rim from, I think like 2014 or 2013. Yeah. You guys should go check it out. That was a great, fun movie. Yeah. We don't like to even mention the psycho one. <laughs> I've never even seen it. Have you seen it? it I think it has John Boyega, it but does. apparently it's just it's even worse than what I would think this movie represents, <laughs> you know. 
Yeah. Anyway, I'm really excited just to see what they do moving forward because, like I said, there are a lot of monsters out there that we can bring into the franchise. And I want to see Rodan back. Rodan got shafted, I think, in uh, King of the Monsters, but I'm pretty sure he's still out there. He was alive in the end of the movie. Yeah, his character gets trashed a lot in the, historically speaking. Uh, I want to see Mothra again. I think that one's super dead, isn't it? They definitely killed her. But I think they could bring it back somehow. They can always bring it back. Yeah. Mothra was cool. We could see Mecha Ghidorah. That'd be nuts. Because they still have Ghidorah's skulls lying around. That would be nuts. I don't even care. Like, I'm totally going to forget this movie as soon as I stop recording. But (laughs) I enjoyed the ride. Like, there were some definite cool fight scenes that you could watch. It'd be much more fun to watch on a bigger screen. But With good sound design. Yeah, it was good sound design, decent music, cool fighting. You get what you pay for. You do get, well, I don't even know if that's true. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of, I don't know if I would even pay for this in IMAX. It would be fun to watch in IMAX if it were free. Yeah. That's that's how I feel about this I would pay to watch half of it in IMAX. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean that very literally. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Okay, here's the music from Junkie XL. (laughs) 